All right, so we are actually finishing up our series on big words uh, this Sunday, today. And we've covered a whole bunch of big words like love and faith and shame. And uh, today we are going to go through a very big, important word. And that word is church. Today's word is church. What is that? Like everybody's looking over there. Something cool is going to happen there. Uh, today's word is church. And this is a word that can mean lots of different things. Uh, in our language, we use it in a lot of different ways. Um, it can mean like this building. We're going to do maintenance on the church. It could mean this group of people. What a friendly church. Uh, it could be a whole denomination. Well, the church's stance on that is it could be the entire body of Christ, you know, all believers, you know, the church. It can mean lots of different things. But church, church, the word church, I think, besides having definitions, and we're going to want to define that today and get a good feel for what is Pastor Mike talking about when he says church, not only does it have a like a intellectual definition, but this is a word that has a feel as well. Would you agree that it's not just the definition, it's the the emotional association, the feel. What does church mean? Does it mean I'd better sit really still? Is that what church means to you? Does it mean there's a lot of people there that probably wouldn't like me. What does church mean? What's the feel that it has for you? Um, is, how about bureaucracy? Does church have a feel of bureaucracy? I know when I went to the, uh, to the builders to talk about the addition, one of the questions they had for me was, well, Making decisions in a church environment usually takes a tremendous amount of time. How are we going to manage that with the building process? And I told them we had a plan in place for making effective decisions. But they assumed, oh, we're dealing with the church. This is a bureaucracy where nothing gets done without tremendously slow, grinding committee processes. Church to them meant bureaucracy. had that feel to it anyway. Um, some people think of church, they think of hypocrisy. Other people think, you know, a little country club. But then there are, there are positive feels for church as well. Would you agree? I hope so. Otherwise, why would you be here? Well, I used to come to church to find fault with the sermon. That was... <laughs> I knew it was coming, you know what I mean? If it had been 10 minutes, I'm thinking it's coming soon because that guy can't say the right things for that long. Then I would tell Trinette about it on the ride home. <laughs> Isn't God good? Hallelujah. You know, we can grow and learn, not just intellectually, but we can get a right heart before God. He can touch our hearts and change our hearts and make us love people instead of being other than that. 
Amen, I've experienced that. Um, Church can mean the place where I found God. It can mean the place where that change in my life began. It can mean a bunch of people that actually like me, even though I'm not perfect. It can mean my friends. It can mean a lot of good things. That's kind of how we use the word church. We're going to look at a little bit of, of the word church in the Bible. Because all of those meanings aren't in there. And so there's, in the NIV anyway, the word church comes up 114 times in the New Testament. And so there's plenty of information about the church. And it's used in different ways. It's used as the local church, the overall body of Christ, the whole group, that sort of thing. There's even a couple places where just a non-Christian group of people was called a church because of the, the root word and what that means. So, let's start with Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and try to get a feel for what Jesus meant when he used the word that we translate. Of course, he didn't speak English. When he used the word church. Matthew 16, 18. Now, this is after... Jesus is quizzing the disciples, you know, hey, what's the word on the street? Who do people think I am? What are they saying? And they tell them, well, some say this, some say that, some say this. And Jesus says, well, what about you? Who do you think I am? And Peter says to Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the Son of God. And Jesus says, good, good, (laughs) good job, Peter. This was not revealed to you by men, but by God. This is a revelation from God. And then Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter. So this is Simon. He renames him Peter, which is the literally, that means rock. So he just named him Rock. They would have known that as Rock. So it'd be just like if I renamed Ryan Rock, and we just started calling him Rock from now on. You know, Ryan Rock, like Simon Peter. Uh, Peter... And then I would say, you rock, man. (laughs) (laughs) Getting back to it now. (laughs) And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And on this rock I will build my church. Jesus was a carpenter. So what was he going to build? A building? He never did build a building. He didn't build a house. (laughs) For himself, anyway. On this rock, I will build my church. What did Jesus build? Not a building. How about a bored group of people that shows up about twice a month because they think they should. On this rock, I will build my church. What did he mean 
when he said that. The Greek word ecclesia literally translated would be assembly or congregation. It can mean a Christian assembly. It can mean just a group of people that are called out for a particular purpose. It's the group of people. On this rock I will build my church. Now, interestingly enough, the word church is in the English is a derivative of the Germanic word kirk, which means the building that you meet in, which is a bad mistranslation of congregation or assembly. It means the people. When Jesus was using the word, it meant the people. And when we try to tell people church doesn't mean the building, it means the people, we're true to the original language. But the reason people get confused about that is because the word kirk, which became church, meant the building. It's easy to get confused then, wouldn't it be? I will build my church. I will build my church. I will build my place where people have to sit quietly. You are too quiet today, except for Ryan. You are too quiet today. I will build my place where I'm worried they might not like me. What did Jesus come here to build? This is a mental picture that helps me. Theologically, I I make no claims. But I just see the Father and the Son in heaven looking at the world and seeing how messed up it is. Do you know this world is messed up? Seeing it fall into sin, fall into violence, fall into all kinds of icky, yucky stuff. And they know what the potential is for the human race and for this world. And they saw it just crumbling and falling apart. And of course, there's the progression of things to try to fix it. There's Noah's flood. And there's... uh What's after the flood? Then there's, I know there's Abraham. Is Abraham next? Abraham, you know, hey, let's live by faith. Then you got Moses. Let's just tell him what to do. You know, and then eventually you get to Jesus. And they tried all these things and uh, attempting, you know, of course, God is from the beginning and the end. God exists outside of time. It's not like he's trying to figure out how to get it to work. You know what I'm saying? God exists outside of time. So this, I believe that progression of history was to show us, well, why don't you just get rid of all the bad guys? Then it would be perfect. Tried that, didn't work. Well, why doesn't God just tell us what to do? Then it would work. Tried that, didn't work. So Jesus is looking down And the Father says, somebody's going to have to do something about that. And Jesus says, I'll I'll go. I'll go down there because that is a mess. And they need some help. And I'll go. What did he come here to do? To build 
His church. What does that mean? It certainly doesn't mean His bored people who are just going through the motions. Even if that means the group of people. Yes, group of people, but group of people with a purpose, with a vision, with something important to do. I would like to submit some other words that might help us understand this, that have a different feel, that also mean group of people. Here are some words. On this rock, I will build my movement. On this rock, I will build my uprising. On this rock, I will build my revolution that will change the world. Do you know why it's 2013 right now? Because Jesus came to earth and built His church. It changed the world to such an extent that the year got changed. We named it something different because this church was built by Jesus. It changed the world. It was a revolution. Amen? The Roman Empire was conquered by faith. One of my favorite stories, I like to watch the history, well, I used to like to watch the History Channel. don't have cable anymore, but... Uh, I was watching a show about uh, the tribes of Europe in the in the pre-Christian era. It was really fun, you know. And, and the the particular show was on the weapons that they used. And there was this one tribe that was in England, and it was coming across to France and kind of spreading out. And they they used three like battle axes, small like throwing axes. They used three of them in battle. All the warriors had three. And they'd line up and the other guys were there and they'd lob one up in the air. And so the other guys are like, oh man, there's like all these axes coming. And then they'd take off running and they'd throw a fastball with the next one. So they're looking there and here comes a fastball. And then they got the third one, they'd walk up to him and oof. And they were just wiping everybody out. And then on the History Channel, it said... But that was about the same time that Christianity was sweeping through the area. And they all got saved and decided they shouldn't do that anymore and settled down and became farmers. Talk about a revolution. The people who had figured out how to destroy and pillage everyone decided, you know what? This isn't the best plan. Let's do forgiveness and love instead. Let's put our hands to work and earn our keep. Let's be good neighbors. That's a revolution. That's His church. Is His church still a revolution? It should be. <laughs> Amen. That's what he meant by his assembly, his gathering, his people coming together. And who does the revolution? 
the one great Messiah and everybody just like cheers from the background? Who does the revolution? Matthew uh, chapter 28. This is, this is the, the verses that are called the Great Commission. Jesus explains what He wants His church to do. Let's make it simple. Let's make it concise. Here you go, guys. Now, if, if you're not familiar with Matthew, it's the book of Matthew. Uh, it's a history of the life of Jesus and the ministry that He did. Matthew was one of the twelve disciples. And at this point, Jesus had been crucified, died, rose again, and was appearing to the disciples and talking to them. So this would be a very powerful moment. The revolution looked dead. But then the disciples found out that even death was conquered by the love of God. And so Jesus appears to his disciples and he says this, Matthew 28, 18-20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Did Jesus intend for His church to continue to revolutionize the world after He was done? Amen. Are we to continue this revolution? Amen. Did you think the sermon on church would be boring? <laughs> I guess, I tell you what, this, this gets me excited. Because if you know God's plan, you can believe for it to come to pass. We are the agents of change under the authority of Christ called to go out and change the world. The revolution is done by the people, by the gathering, by the ecclesia, by the church. We are the agents of change that go out into the world and make a difference in this world. Amen. We're going to do that in Jamaica. In all seriousness, Ryan and I are going to Jamaica to attempt to bring the blessings of God to two orphanages that are running $6,000 a month in the red. I'm believing for a 100-fold return on the investment that we put into this. We're renting camera equipment, we're flying there, we're doing stuff. We're investing in this. I'm believing for a 100-fold return on that investment. But that's going to take the people of God rising up. And not, not us. We're shooting this video. We already put, you know, between us and uh, the other place where, where he preached over $7,000 towards the orphanages. That's really good. Hallelujah. Amen? That's really good. Is that making a difference in the world? Are we agents of change under the authority of Christ to make a difference in this world? Amen. It's already happening. We are functioning as a church. 
That's exciting. But I'm believing for a hundredfold return and to see that video spread out and get in the hands of hundreds and maybe thousands of people who can look at that video and say, I can do $10 a month. Did you know if everybody not in church today, just in the city limits of Cloquet, if every person who was not in church today that lives in the city limits of Cloquet, if they put in 67 cents a month, the orphanages would be in the clear. 67 cents a month. Is it good to have more people in church? Amen. I think we could pull that off if everybody was, was here, if everybody was in church. We are agents of change under the authority of Christ called to go out and change the world. Does that describe church or congregation to you? Did you come in here with that feeling of congregation? Well, those are the agents of change under the authority of Christ to go change the world. That's what congregation means. I love congregation. Probably not. You probably thought more of the bureaucracy side. <laughs> or the, well, you know, guess we could do a potluck. Isn't that congregations are kind of potluck things, right? You know, that's it's got to be in the Bible somewhere. Perhaps the church has lost some of its focus. That is, Christianity as a whole perhaps has lost some of its focus perhaps has gotten off track a little bit. Would you agree? I'm thankful that it's not as bad as it seems sometimes. Did you know there are lots of pockets of good Christian people doing God's things? It's not like there's three of us. There's three Christians in America. That's not the case. There are millions. It's not as bad as it seems. But wow, is there a lot of potential if the people of God grabbed hold of the revolutionary concept of what the church is. I go to church growth conferences because you know the pastor has to go to church growth conferences. Very important because we've got to grow the church. Jesus said he'd build the church. He builds it on people. Let's go to conferences. Let's learn how this works. You know at the conferences what they say are the three most important things for someone choosing your church when they're looking for a church. The three most important things are... No! Sadly not the case. That can be why they stay though. But that's not why they choose the church in the first place. Why they choose the church in the first place, number... well. This is number three, so I'll do it in opposite order. Number three, ease of parking. Number two, the comfort of the chairs or the seating arrangement. And number one, the quality and style of the music. Perhaps the church has lost some of its focus. 
when I go to these conferences and I hear some of the church growth strategies, I think to myself, where do we even start? If this is the mentality we're dealing with, where do we even start? We answer that question the same as we always answer that question whenever you're going through anything. The first place you start is with you. We start with us, I start with me, and you start with you. The best teaching I've heard on how to find revival, you want to see revival? Here's the, I can tell you how to have revival. Okay? I've got the formula for revival. What we need to do, we should pass out chalk. I don't think we have chalk. But, this is what I heard, and I agree with it 100%. Everybody get a piece of chalk, go home. Go to a quiet room, take the chalk, and draw a circle on the ground. And stay in that circle until revival breaks out in that circle. When that happens, then let's come back together and we'll have revival here. Amen? If everybody in this place is just charged up and ready to serve God, it will happen. I get in trouble for saying this, but it's true. We're not waiting on God to move. God is waiting on us. Amen? It's not like He wants people to be lost. It's not like He wants the church to be weak. He wants revival. He's waiting for us. We are not waiting for Him. Aren't these chairs nice? (laughs) Worship was awesome, by the way. You can invite your friends. How do we do this? So individually, if you're starting with you, believe, get baptized. I encourage you. If you have not been baptized, get baptized. It's an important thing. You see that thing in, uh, in chapter 28? Go into all the nations and baptize them. And then, of course, teach them how to do it. Teach them to be Christians. That's very important. There's the initiation and then there's the doing of it. Believe, be baptized, live the new life and help others do the same. How do we do it as a group? How do we do it as the local church, the church called Good Hope? The revolutionary force of people coming together that we call Good Hope Church which I get to preach in Good Hope Assembly of God in Red Ground, Jamaica, next Sunday. That is so much fun. The church we're named after here. I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm going to tell them they can be the head, not the tail. How do we do it as a church? Did I tell you I go to church growth seminars and stuff? Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is a little more encouraging and a little more, I think, applicable. Though, you know what's important? If chairs are important to people, what are we going to do? We're going to have good chairs because they need to show up. If parking is important, what are we going to do? We're going to try to get the best parking we can. With the addition plan, we've got a whole bunch more parking that we've got planned. We're going to get good parking. If the music is important, what are we going to do? We're going to have decent music. Amen? 
Because the enemy will use all that stuff to short-circuit people's connection with God. And so we want to battle against the enemy, not blame people for not being who we want them to be. you got to face reality. But then people show up for a while, and guess what? They, they catch something. <laughs> and it gets going, and the revolution begins. How do we do this as a group? Okay, church, church stuff that you need to be able to work. You need good relationships. People need to have relationships with each other. Very important for church. It's not just a bunch of people that don't know each other, that are fans of the bald guy that runs around and yells a lot. You know, <laughs> we need to have relationships with one another. Then there needs to be good organization. All the pieces need to be in place. We need to have our nursery workers and our preschool workers and our ushers and, and we've got to have a maintenance team that does all the right things and all that stuff. You've got to have the organizational piece. And then there's the visionary leadership piece. You've got to be going somewhere. You've got you to have a plan. Churches that are 0 to 150, I suppose 1 to 150, probably 2, 2 to 150, the most important of those three is the relational piece. You've got to have good relationships if you're going to be in a church of 50 people. You want to know those people. You want to be in that community, part of what's going on. How many people like small churches? Because you get those relationships. It's great. But more than 150 people need to come and know the Lord. So how do you get past 150? You need to keep the relationship piece. You can't lose that. But then you need to get good at organization. If things are well organized, you can go from the 150 to 200 to about 400. Maybe five if it's really well organized. And then when people come in, they, they, they find it easy to connect and, and they can become part of what's going on and, and you can get into the four or five hundred range that way. And then, of course, there's the big mega churches and they've got the visionary leader who everybody, they don't even need to meet that person. They just want to follow him from a distance. You know what I mean? And there's thousands of people that come to those churches that have never even met the pastor. That's, isn't that something? Right. You know, the New Testament, thousands of people followed the, followed the apostles. I'm sure they didn't meet them all. We're in that transition from relational really being the main focus to having to add another focus of organization. Making sure we've got all those pieces in place. Isn't it fun to, to go... Revolution, man! Come on! Do you know what revolution is built on? It's, it's just a lot of hard work. It's Norman Tyke cleaning the church over and over and over and over. And it's people doing the nursery. And it's having systems in place for registering the kids in children's church. And it's adding services. And it's building additions. 
That is what this revolution is built on if we're going to grow. Is that exciting? It's exciting if we understand that people are loved by God. We're going to close, and I've got one more thought. I've always seen the church as a lifeboat. We've talked about all those different things. You've got the bureaucracy, and you've got the country club, and you've got the board people, you know, all these ideas of what is the church. To me, I see the church as a, a lifeboat in a sinking world. Did you, none of us are going to make it out of this thing alive. The church is what connects people to God. The people of God sharing the love of God with people who don't know God. The church is a lifeboat in a sinking world. Now this lifeboat, of course, needs all its parts. If we're missing some of those big wooden things that go across the bottom to keep the water out, we're in trouble. You know? The lifeboat needs all its parts. The lifeboat needs a ladder or two so that people in the water can climb up and get in. The lifeboat needs some warm blankets and some soup so that when you get out of the water and you come in, people don't go, wow, are you wet? But you get some blankets and soup and a hug. Amen? And there needs to be room in the lifeboat for you to get in. Now the good news is, when Jesus was up there looking at this world, He was in heaven in a perfect world, looking at our earth, how it's cursed and there's sin everywhere and just this mess. He left His place in His secure position so that there would be room for us to be able to come to where He was. He came, lived His life, taught, showed who He was through miracles and wisdom, and then He died on the cross so that we could trade places. So that instead of us being judged for the sin of the world that we participate in, we would be able to be in heaven with God the Father. What a glorious thing. We can make that transition. Let's all bow our heads. We're going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just honor You in this place. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here who doesn't know Your forgiving power, Lord, that this morning they would, they would desire to know You as Lord and Savior. We'll have the prayer team come up and, and if that's You, I want You to come up and pray with the prayer team. They will help You. And you can have your sins forgiven just like that. Give your heart to the Lord and learn to follow Him. If you do that, this Wednesday we've got a baptism service. It's a good time to get baptized. Lord, we thank You 
that when you looked at this earth, you decided to fix it with your love. I'm glad we don't live in the time of the flood. I'm glad we don't live in the the time of conquering nations in a military way. I'm glad we don't live in the time of the law, but we live in the time of the Spirit where everyone can receive of you freely. Help us, Lord, to make that right decision, to be part of your revolution. Bless us and encourage us, Lord. Give us strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.